Greetings to you again this morning. <clears throat> this whole matter of looking at prophecy, the future, so forth. In 2 Peter chapter 3, I believe it is, it says that there will come scoffers in the last days who say, huh, where's promise of his coming? Everything just goes on the way it always has been. And we, we tend to say, yeah, there's some unbelievers out there that might scoff at, you know, Christ's coming and so forth, but we believe he's coming. But, you know, I wonder how much I and you are a little bit in that same camp where we say, well, you know, we don't see many miracles today. I mean, real, you know, miracles like Jesus performed when he was here. And, you know, uh, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was here, and things do continue on just sort of, you know, from day to day. And are you ever tempted to feel that way? You know, where is God today? Not that we question that there is a God, but... You know, is he really working? Is he really doing things? So I'd like to start off this morning with a little story. Um, there's a number of, of conservative Mennonite or whatever they are, churches over in the Ukraine. I'm not sure how many different congregations there are there. Do any of you get their newsletter that they send out? Okay, you do. In one of their recent newsletters, they, well, here a couple months ago, they wrote about <clears throat> a man. Let's back up a little farther yet. Some of you know that several years back, uh, Russia came down and tried to, there was war and tried to annex the eastern part of Ukraine. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, Crimea, Crimea. Um, and so Russia came down and there was a lot of bombing and killing and, and so forth, and they, Russia was trying to take that eastern section of the Ukraine. Well, since then, there's a lot of people over in that eastern side that um, are really suffering um, in one way or another. And um, <clears throat> there's a lot of, uh, still a lot of uh, hatred and, and uh, perhaps some fighting and, and poverty, etc. There's a Christian man that lives over that area somewhere who has been uh, going to the western part of Ukraine and getting loads and loads and loads of, and I don't remember what all, food, um, maybe some Bibles, books, um, various things perhaps, and taking them over to that eastern part. And it's sort of like smuggling it in, because if he would get caught 
at the wrong place, the wrong time, by the wrong people, he could probably lose his life. And he just keeps on doing it. And time after time after time after time, uh, he gets in miraculously. And so he just keeps on. A couple of weeks ago, as recently as uh, just a couple of weeks ago, he and his helpers, brethren in, in his church, <clears throat> decided to hold an evangelist, uh, evangelistic meeting in a yard between two big high-rise apartment buildings, and they invited people. And um, they prepared for 500 people. And they also um, bought 500 loaves of bread that they were going to give out after the service. And so the people arrived, and they had their evangelistic meeting, and they began to realize there's 700 people here instead of 500, and we only have 500 loaves of bread. What are we going to do? And they considered this, and they decided, well, <laughs> there's not much we can do. We'll just uh, pass out the loaves as long as they last. And they had enough bread for everybody. And after they passed it out, they called the bakery and they said, <clears throat> how many loaves of bread did we order? 500. They called the man that hauled it to them with his truck or whatever. How many loaves of bread did you bring us? 500. And uh, they asked the volunteers that passed them out, how many loaves of bread did you... Well, no, the volunteers had packaged up the loaves of bread before the service. How many loaves of bread did you package up? 500. And then they begin to realize God multiplied it. Did that happen back in the time of Jesus? No. It happened just a couple weeks ago. We have a God who is still alive and working. Amen. He's eternal. He doesn't change. We may not see lots of what we call miracles happening around us today. But I wonder sometimes if that's partly because we're blind. I don't know. <laughs> um, but we have a God who is very much alive and working today. Let's not question that in the least. <clears throat> subject this morning is Israel in prophecy. Someone recently said that for us to know where we're going, we need to know where we came from. And so to help understand the future, it's helpful to look at the past, to look at history. And I'm not going to spend much time on that, but first of all this morning, Israel in history just for a little background, 3,500 years ago, God called Abraham to separate himself from the idol worshipers, from his family, and from his home country. God promised to bless him, to make him a blessing to many people, and to make him a great nation, and to give him the land of Israel. 
Those were God's promises to Abraham. Abraham didn't receive the complete fulfillment of that promise, neither did Isaac nor Jacob. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. It's like way out there. You know, they could, by faith, they could see them. But they didn't realize them. They didn't experience them themselves at that time. But by faith, they could see, they could understand, or or partially at least, they believed. And the Bible goes on there in Hebrews uh, 11. Having seen them afar off and persuaded, they were persuaded of them and embraced them. I like that wording, don't you? They were persuaded and they embraced them, those promises of God, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They're just traveling through. Well, during Jacob's life, they went down to Egypt for about 400 years, and they came back to their land under Moses and Joshua. Good many years after that, we have the reigns of David and Solomon. And that's when, if we were to put it on a chart, that's when uh, the nation of Israel went to their peak as a nation very rich, and um, their kingdom was wide, spread out. They possessed much of the land that God had promised to Abraham, but it was only temporary. After Solomon, uh, it wasn't long until they went away from God, disobeyed God, went into idolatry, and so forth. And... um, Again, back in Deuteronomy chapter 28, actually maybe 28, 29, and 30, um, those passages talk about how God will bless them if they turn to him. And so we have King David, man after God's own heart, and God blessed Israel tremendously. But then they went away from him, and it's a sad story. So after some years in idolatry, God allowed the Assyrians to come in and take captive the ten northern tribes. And a bit over a hundred years later, the Babylonians took Judah, the southern kingdom, into captivity, into Babylon. The northern kingdom went north and east into Assyria. The southern kingdom went over into Babylon into captivity, out of their homeland because of their disobedience. And then in the times of Ezra and Nehemiah that we're studying in our Sunday school lessons right now, they, those from Babylon, Judah, that went into Babylon, they were beginning to come back. Not all of them came back. But about three different groups over the years uh, came back to the promised land, to the land of Israel. The ten tribes that went into captivity, into Assyria, never came back until recently. In recent years, they all came back. I was going to get to to this a little later in my message, but I understand that today 
in the country of Iran, which would have been Assyria. There's not a Jew left. But there were until just a few years back. But now the northern kingdom is back. <clears throat> well, let's go on. Their history. From that time until recent history, about 2,500 years, the history of Israel has been a very sad history. God promised them. God told them. If you disobey me, go away from me. I will scatter you to all over the world, all the nations under the heavens. I'm not sure how it says it, but a number of different places back there in Deuteronomy 28, 29, 30. He really talks about that. God will scatter you through all the nations of the world. And that has happened. That did happen. And um, as far as the homeland, the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land of Israel, um, there for many, many centuries, there were very few of the Jewish people in that land. And that land was, was ruled and suppressed by Alexander the Great, the Seleucian monarchs, the Syrians, and the Romans. And with the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, and another destruction of almost a thousand more towns in AD 135, again, the Jews that were there were dispersed to the four winds all over the world. And since then, the land has been under the rule of about a half a dozen different powers uh, from AD 135 until 1948. Beginning in the late 1800s, the Zionist movement began, a movement of the Jews to return to their homeland. In 1881, there were 25,000 Jews in what is now the land of Israel in that, in that area. 25,000 Jews, less than what is in Halifax County. And only a few of them knew Hebrew. By 1914, the number had tripled to 80,000. By 1939, the number had multiplied five more times to 400,000. And by 1948, when it became an, Israel became a nation, it was up, the population was up to 650,000, multiplied 26 times in less than 70 years. And since then, it has, be, has continued to just multiply exceedingly because Jews from all over the world are now again coming back to their home country. Now, isn't that strange? Home country. They never lived there before. They were born in who knows where, all around the world, but they're coming back to home country. Today, there's almost 9 million people in Israel. <clears throat> About 75% are Jewish, 21% Arab, and a few are other nationalities. On May 14, 1948, Israel proclaimed itself an independent state, a nation, 
the first time in almost 2,000 years. It's a very significant milestone in modern fulfillment of prophecy because it was the beginning of many more fulfillments of other prophecies. <clears throat> and since then, the world has seen many miracles in the, in the uh, life of that tiny nation of Israel. All of this is in the lifetime of some of you. And it continues, it, it, it's still ongoing over there. What God is doing for that little nation, and that continues in the lifetime of all of us. Is that exciting to you? <laughs> it's very interesting to me. Very interesting to watch some of those things. I don't keep up with it as much as I would like to, but it's thrilling to me. And so what prophecies yet remain for Israel? And if we had more time, we could talk more about what God has done in the last 70 years since Israel became a nation where miraculous things have happened in in multitudes of Is, uh, Jews coming back to Israel. Um, just for example, right now, probably many of you get CAM's little flyers. The last one, I believe, was about uh, Yemen or Yemen and what's going on there. Around the time, soon after Israel became a nation, um, somehow some of uh, there, there were a lot of Jews down in that little country of Yemen and um, somehow they found out or or the Lord put it into their hearts that they needed to go back to Israel they didn't know how they were going to get there and they were extremely poor and and in many of them in bad health weak hungry and yet, crowds of them started to walk out across the desert sands. And they, they weren't sure how they were going to get back. Well, somehow Israel found out about this. And Israel sent large converted bomber planes down to that country. And when these Jews got to the airport... They loaded them onto these big converted bombers, set rows of benches, and uh, just crowded the people in and hauled them back to Israel. And there are numerous other stories of what God did for the Jews returning to their home country. <clears throat> We don't have time for all that this morning. So let's look at some of the prophecies of the future um, and the present because we want to look at some of the scriptures that talk about um, foretelling the regathering of Israel in the last days. We are witnessing that. Many, many, many Jews are in the United States 
and very, very few of them have gone back. A few of them have. Most of them have not yet gone back to Israel. Why? Well, I'm not sure of all the reasons. One may be that because, you know, they're too rich and satisfied and so forth here in the U.S. (laughs) But secondly, perhaps God has a reason for it. Millions and, I don't know, maybe billions of dollars from rich U.S. Jews have gone back to Israel to help with the resettlement of the Jews that are flocking into there by the hundreds and thousands. And so the U.S. Jews are helping to finance all of that. So maybe that's one of the reasons. We don't know all the reasons. Get your Bibles, and we want to look at a lot of scriptures this morning. We're going to try to turn to them quickly. Um, And after we read uh, some of these scriptures, you may say, well, why keep looking at more of them? Well, one of my reasons this morning is to simply show you how many times in in the Bible, and we're not going to look at all of them, but how many times in the Bible God repeats and repeats some of these prophecies uh, concerning Israel. Isaiah chapter 11. Let's start there. Isaiah chapter 11, and there are, we could go back further um, and notice, in fact, in our Sunday school lesson this morning, right there it was. He would scatter them to the nations of the world, and then he would bring them back again. That was in our, our lesson this morning. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria, where he took, uh, took them captive, uh, the northern kingdom, Israel, from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros and Cush, from Elam, Shinar, from Hamath, and the islands of the sea, all these places he's going to gather them back to the home country. Let's go to chapter 14 and verse 1. For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will still choose Israel and settle them in their own land. He will settle them there in their own land. The strangers will be joined with them and they will cling to the house of Jacob. Let's go to chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 5. Fear not. For I am with you, I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. I have formed him, yes, I have made him. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears, etc. He goes on, but that has happened. God has brought them back from all these countries the deaf and the blind, and, and so forth. Talking about Yemen, there was one 70-year-old man who carried his 100 and, I forget, 105-year-old father on his back across the desert sands out to the airport where they got on the bomber plane. They got back to Israel, and this old man... I think he was perhaps nearly blind. He got off the plane. He stooped down and kissed the ground. 
he was home again. Although he had never been there before, he was home. He will bring the blind and the lame and so forth. Let's move on. Jeremiah 16. Over to the next book, Jeremiah chapter 16. Verses uh, 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them, for I will bring them back into their land which I gave to their fathers. You know, when they entered the promised land, when they came out of Egypt and entered the promised land, and, and for years after that, the people of, uh, you know, the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and, the, you know, all of those, they had heard what God did for the children of Israel, bring them out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea and so forth. But now he says here, the time will come when they will no longer say, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt. No, they'll say the Lord lives who brought back the children of Israel back to their home country again. <clears throat> Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3. The letter was sent by, let's see, I'm in the wrong chapter. Verse 3, for behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah. Judah came back from captivity in our lesson this morning. These lessons from Ezra and Nehemiah, Judah came back from Babylon, at least some of them. But the day comes when I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord. And I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Then let's go to verse 11 of this same chapter. For I am with you, says the Lord, to save you, though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you. Um, the world empire of Greece and Rome... And some of these others, where are they today? Though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you, yet I will not make a complete end of you, but I will correct you in justice, and I will not let you go altogether unpunished. I will make a full end of them, but not you. Let's go to chapter 31, verse 8. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, the woman with child and the one who labors with child together, a great throng shall return there. And there are some fascinating stories. Um, the scripture we read back there a bit ago, you'll bring them from the north and the south and the east and from the west. And if you look at some of those um, Hebrew words, uh, of bringing and gathering and, and so forth from these different directions. There are some fascinating stories in the last 70 years of how that has happened, just as the Bible said. <clears throat> Let's go to uh, verses 38 to 40 of chapter 31. They shall be my people and I will be their God. 
Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. And at the same time that God is saying, I will bring them back to their own country. He says, I will also put the fear of God in their hearts. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And so forth. And we will see more of that a little later. Let's... uh, Uh, Let's see. Actually, I had the wrong chapter there, that last scripture that I read. I did want to go to chapter 31, verses 38 to 40. Um, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that the city shall be built for the Lord from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate. The surveyor's land line shall again extend straight forward over the hill Gareb. Then it shall turn toward Goath. I'm told that up until a few years back, that exact area was pretty well well desolate. Today, it has been built into the modern city of Jerusalem. And God promised, the days are coming, that the city shall be built in this particular given area. And that has been fulfilled in the last few years. We're seeing prophecies fulfilled today that have never been fulfilled before. Let's go to uh, Jeremiah 32, verse 37. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger and in my fury and in great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and I will cause them to dwell safely. And verse 43, And fields will be bought in this land of which they say it is desolate without man or beast. It has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Many men will buy fields for money, sign deeds and seal them and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the lowland, in the cities of the south, For I will cause their captives to return, says the Lord. And there's lots that could be said about the fulfillment of those verses. The land of of Israel, what's today the land of Israel, back a hundred years ago was desolate, desert land where people said nothing would grow and uh, just wasteland. The Bible says it shall blossom as a rose, and I've never been over there, but I'm told that today it is blossoming as a rose. They are watering it, they are planting, and there's tremendous amount of, you know, growing crops and all kinds of things in the land of Israel. Well, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 11. (laughs) 
Ezekiel 11, verse 17. And you realize we are going from one prophet to another, and yet they're all saying about the same thing. Ezekiel 11, uh, verse 17, Therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. Let's go over to chapter 20 of this book. And verse 40. For on my holy mountain, on the mountain height of Israel, says the Lord God, there all the house of Israel and all of them in the land shall serve me. There I will accept them, and there I will require your offerings and the first fruits of your sacrifices, together with all your holy things. And I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where, I, where you have been scattered. And I will be hallowed in, in you before the Gentiles. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for which I raised my hand in an oath to give to your fathers. And there you shall remember your ways and all your doings with which you were defiled. And you shall loathe yourselves in your own sight because of all the evils that you have committed. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have dealt with you for my name's sake. Not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings, O house of Israel, says the Lord God. And that's the part of the prophecy, prophecies that we have numerous times in the Old Testament that we are not seeing fulfilled yet when Israel will know the Lord and know him as their Messiah. But the New Testament tells us that the time is coming when they will. And many of these prophecies here in the Old Testament also say the same thing. I have about uh, six or seven more scriptures here that we could turn to, but we won't for lack of time. Let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 10. I will also bring them back from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon until no more room is found for them. He will bring them back from Egypt and from Assyria. And as I said, I understand that there's not one Jew in Assyria anymore today. Many, many went back soon after 1948 when they became a nation and there are none left. There are still just a few in Egypt, maybe no more than a hundred. But this verse has been fulfilled. <clears throat> so these passages tell us of the time of the regathering of Israel. Some of them say it will be in the latter days. And it also puts right together with the regathering in their home country with them knowing the Lord as their Messiah. It's, it's happening. It has been happening over the last 70 years, the regathering. But they don't know the Lord yet as their Messiah. There are, in Israel, there's less than 10% who are Christians. 
the vast majority are still in ignorance. And so there's a wonderful time to come yet. I've asked the ushers to pass out uh, papers. I don't have enough for each of you, but if you would do that at this point. Um, in these papers, it's a little timeline of what it seems like, and, and please understand, I'm not saying how all the future will be because the Bible doesn't tell us in detail how all it will be. But some of the timeline of... Um, Arvin, I'll take a copy. <laughs> Thank you. Um, of what some of the future may hold. Again, I want you to understand, I'm not saying precisely how all of this will be, but uh, as possibility as we would understand the scriptures. And the first thing I would like to say is that the next big thing that we're looking for as, as believers in God is his return for the saints. There are some people who say, well, this and this has to happen yet before the Lord can return. No, 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 no. I don't know what all will happen before the Lord returns. That's up to God. But to say this and this has to happen before the Lord returns, no, no. We can't go there. Or then we're looking for other things and we're not looking for the Lord's return. And that's dangerous ground. <clears throat> and so, um, what's, the, what's the next big event in relation to Israel? And the Jews, as I would understand the scripture, and again, I'm not being dogmatic on this, but as I understand, as I understand the scripture, the next big event, uh, prophetic event in the life of Israel is another enormous national and military threat, which will end in a tremendous victory for Israel over its enemies. Now, in 1948, um, when Israel declared themselves a nation, there were numerous other Arab nations around Israel that they knew this was coming, and they prepared, and they all jumped in and pounced on Israel the very next morning. A brand new company, a country, a brand new nation, and all these nations around them piled in on top of them to annihilate them. Did it happen? No. God didn't let it happen. Yes, they fought hard in a war for a time. And then in 1968, again, they were at war with Egypt and Jordan and Syria. And the war didn't last for several years or several months. In six days, the little country of Israel won the war, plus tripled the amount of land that they owned in six short days. War with these other three nations around them. Why? How? <laughs> Easy. God was with them. God did it. Miraculously protected them. But if we go to Ezekiel 38, uh, we find there, and you may turn there a while, but Ezekiel 38 tells us that the day is coming when several countries around 
um, Israel will come in like a storm and like a cloud to cover the land. And it mentions a number of nations, and of course, um, in the scripture, it, it calls them by the names that they had back in that day. And so when we try to figure out just who they are in modern times, it seems as though it is Russia, Iran, Libya, Sudan, and Turkey. Those nations will come in upon Israel like a flood, like a cloud, like a storm to annihilate Israel, take over. Russia, Iran, Libya, Sudan, and Turkey. Well, prior to the 1990s, Russia and Iran were enemies or anything but friends. But that began to change about 25 years ago, and, and the last number of years, Russia has been supplying Iran with lots of military weapons and aid and so forth. Russia is also currently, right now, forming ties with Syria, Libya, and Turkey. And less than a year ago, back last November, they had a big summit meeting uh, Russia, Iran, and Turkey to discuss their working together in Syria. And so we find, interestingly, the very countries that he talks about here in Ezekiel 38 that are forming alliances over there. And the Bible says the day is coming when they will come against Israel. Now, let me just insert this quickly. We study the scriptures, the word of God, and we believe it. And then when things in the nations line up with it, we can say, well, perhaps this is a fulfillment of prophecy. We don't study the things of the nations, and then we go to scripture and try to make the scripture fit it. No, that's the wrong direction. <laughs> Let's study the word of God, and then... If things of the world line up with it, we can rejoice and say, well, perhaps this is prophecy being fulfilled. <clears throat> Let's look at Ezekiel 38. A uh, few things just very briefly. Uh, verse 4, I will turn you around, put hooks. Uh, let, let's go back. Here he's talking about when these nations um, will come against Israel. And God says... I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. God will allow them to come to Israel. And in verse 5, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all of its uh, troops, and the house of Tugarma, and from the far north, and so forth. And then if we go, um, well, we see it's uh, the last part of verse 6. Many people are with you, huge army. Israel will be greatly outnumbered. And we could go to verse 9. Uh, Come like a storm, covering of the land like a clouds, and all your troops and many peoples with you. And verse 15. Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. 
And verse, back to verse 8, we're skipping around here a little in this chapter. Verse 8, after many days you will be visited. In the latter days you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel. In the latter days and when all of these Jews will be regathered to their home country, then is when this huge army will come against Israel to fight against them in the latter days. And verse 16, you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land and so forth. Um, we already noticed uh, it is when Israel is regathered. And verse 12, he says, To take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, and so forth. Um, the waste places that have been inhabited again. And again, that's exactly what has happened over there in the last 50, 60, 70 years. Um, he talks about several verses, talks about the far north, uh, which north of Israel would be, the far north of Israel would be Russia. Verse 16, he says, uh, the last part of the verse, when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. God's purpose of destroying them on the mountains of Israel, all these nations. God will come in and God will destroy all these nations on the mountains of Israel. And his purpose is to be sanctified in their eyes. Verse 18, And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face, for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, and so forth, and he will destroy them on the mountains of Israel. We don't have time to look at all of that. Uh, let's go to the next chapter, chapter 39 and verse 2. And I will turn you around and lead you on, bring you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then will I knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel. You and all your troops and the peoples who are with you, I will give you to birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured, etc. And verse 21 of chapter 39, I will set my glory among all the nations. All the nations shall see my judgment which I have executed in my hand which I have laid on them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. And the Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity at, and so forth. And so God is going to, once Israel is back in the home country, God is going to allow all of these nations, big nations, some of them, to come in and against Israel but God will destroy all these nations. Why? So that they can recognize him as God. And after God does this for Israel, it says, then Israel will recognize him as God. I'm putting it in my words. So it seems to me that that is the next big event in the life of Israel. Exactly when it will happen and how it will happen, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say we don't know all those details. Now, as a little side note, I find it very interesting 
that of these various nations that I mentioned that are uh, forming ties with each other, and it seems very possible and likely that they will come together against Israel. I'm talking about just in history, not, not the Bible, but I mean in, in world events, in current events. It's interesting to me that there are two Arab nations right next to Israel that are not mentioned here in this list of nations that are going to come against Israel. It's Egypt and Jordan. And if you are following current events today in the last year or two, uh, maybe three, four years, those two nations are signing treaties with Israel. They are becoming friends of Israel. They are helping to, they, they are trying to make peace with Israel. They are making peace with Israel. They're becoming good friends of Israel. And it's interesting that we do not find those two nations mentioned here of all of those that are getting ready to come against Israel. Just some of those interesting things that are happening. So on your timeline that we handed out, <clears throat> over at the left-hand side, the next great event for us is the return of Christ to take his saints home to glory. Probably not too long after that, I say probably, the Antichrist will be revealed and... Uh, he will make a covenant with Israel for seven years. Half, halfway through that, after the first three and a half years, he will break that covenant with Israel, and there will be terrible persecution uh, of Israel and so forth. I'm thinking, my thinking is that this uh, time when all these nations come against Israel and God defeats them, and Israel comes to know God is probably very, very soon after the rapture, the home going of the saints. But it may be before that, or it may be later. I don't know. <laughs> Please understand, I don't know. God hasn't told us. It seems to me that it could be just right after that. Um, now, our time is up this morning. I had some more to say, but um, <clears throat> the Bible says we could turn to a number of scriptures, numerous scriptures, where it talks about God will make an end of Israel's sins. He will forgive their sins. They will turn to him. They will recognize him. Do, will Israel have to recognize him as their Messiah and turn to him because God prophesied it? No. Do you understand that? God knows what will happen in the future and he simply tells us what will happen. They don't have to because he prophesied it. They will and he knew it and so he said it. There's a difference. Do you understand that? <laughs> um. When God, God knows the future the same as the past, and so God can say what will happen tomorrow. God, will, God can say what you will do tomorrow. Are you forced to do that because God knows that's what you will do? No. 
You have a choice. God simply knows what you will choose. And I hope we can understand that because that's very important in this whole thing. God has prophesied, God has said that all Israel will come to know him. It's not that God will force them to. God just knows what will happen. And he has said what will happen. And so after God works in miraculous ways for Israel, the day will come when they'll say, Oh, he is our God. And they will believe in him. So... Again, we won't take time to look at all those scriptures this morning, but there are numerous scriptures that talk about um, the covenant that God will make with his people. Then we have um, on the timeline um, the time when Christ will come again with his saints as King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will reign here on the earth for a thousand years and beyond that continue to um, be God forever. And we could also look at scriptures where he promises that uh, the son of David, which of course is Christ, will reign and uh, on the throne of David in Jerusalem and so forth. So in closing... For centuries, the Jews have been literally driven from country to country to country to country around the world. They'll be driven out of this country into another country, and they're there for a little bit, and that country drives them out into another country. That has happened many times around the world since AD 135. People without a country, people who are hated, Outcasts. But in the last 70 years, we've seen, we've seen these people in the limelight of history. We've seen miracles after miracles happen. Today, Israel is one of the leading nations of the world in technology. What you have in your computers in your house probably was manufactured in Israel the chips, the boards, some of those things. Israel is leading out in technology. In many, many other ways, they are world leader in many ways. And so we can expect over the next number of years, however long the Lord tarries, we can expect to see even more miracles, more things happening with Israel. We live in exciting times. We do. We live in exciting times. Our main focus should be on God and his word. But we would also do well to keep our eyes open as to some of the things that are happening in this world. Because these are exciting times in which we live. The God of Israel, who is also our God, is alive and working in the affairs of this world today. He's not asleep. Let's worship him, adore him, walk faithfully with him day by day.